Hey, good morning, All Shores. Welcome. I'm glad that you're here. If you want to stand, um, I just want to invite you to join us in singing this morning. I want to center us in, actually, before we even start on um, a well-known part of the Christmas story where angels meet the shepherds and they, they, they tell the good news. And there's this um, old, old church history person who, who said that the joy of heaven could not be contained in that moment and had to break out and tell the earth. All the joy of heaven that Jesus was coming had to break out. And now that's, that's our role. We get to be the joy of heaven in this place and sing about the coming of our king. And we, we oftentimes can um, be very comfortable just asking the king to do things for us. And that's part of our life. We have to ask him. But we're going to start out this morning by just talking about him. We're just gonna sing about who he is and what he did for us, um, our king, our savior, when he came. We're just gonna worship him in all of his glory. So join us in singing. There was a moment when the lights went out When death had claimed its victory King of love had given up his life The darkest day in history There on a cross they made for sinners For every curse is blood atoned
You're never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let. You're never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let. You're never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let. You're never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let. You're never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let. You're never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let. You're never gonna let me down. 'Cause you are good. You're good. Oh.
thank you. God, thank you that you are our rock, you are our firm foundation, and that we can lean into you, we can hide under the shadow of your wing, God, when, when things are really awesome, but also when things are not. And so, God, thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for sending us our Savior. We all need saving, God. to set thy people free from our fears and sins release us let us find our rest in thee Israel's strength and consolation hope of all the earth thou art join me in prayer this morning. Yes, come, Lord Jesus. God, we wait expectantly for Christmas, and in this season, God, we thank you that you came and that your presence as Emmanuel, God, with us changed everything. God, we ask that you do come in the spaces where we need comfort, God, you, that you come and you sit with us and comfort us, God, in the spaces where we feel isolated and alone, that you remind us you never leave us or forsake us. In the spaces where we need love that's 
something we've never even experienced, God, that's deeper and higher and wider than we can imagine. God, will you pour out your love and your presence? God, we thank you that we are your temple and your people, and you meet us with your beautiful presence that from the throne to where you dwell in our hearts, God, that you fill us with your love and your peace and your joy. So in the spaces, God, even in the season where we need the joy of our salvation, will you, Holy Spirit, just blow on through? Will you revive us? Will you remind us of the great gift that we have in Jesus, born in a manger? And we pray, God, that this whole community, that you will continue to move people to that simple gospel message that you came and changed everything that you came not just to be born as a baby, but then to die, to pay the penalty of our sins, and then to rise again and prepare a place where we can be together and united with you. God, we pray that simple gospel message will fill all of our communities. God, we ask that it'll go globally. We think of Dina Horn in the next ministry. God, will you continue to um, help her as she's recruiting new uh, summer and fall interns, as she's filling mentor roles and and training people to disciple people to know that simple truth, that we are saved by the blood of Jesus. God, that your love met us while we're still sinners, that you died for us. And we thank you for that. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you. You may be seated if you're here in Spring Lake. Welcome. It's so good to see all of you this morning. If you're visiting with us online and hanging out with us, welcome. We're glad that you're here as well. And a special warm welcome to any of you visiting with us this morning. Thank you so much for taking time in this busy season to spend it with us. We would love to meet you in person after service through these lobby doors. There's a glass door and we're just going to be able to greet you there. We call it our Newcomer Nine. It's time where we can just personally get to know your name. We have a gift for you. We'd love to give that to you and answer any questions about All Shores. And now this is the time in our service where we just pause to worship through giving. And if you're part of the All Shores family, this is a time where you just let God lead you into what your giving looks like. Uh, it's the time where we look at all the blessings God given us and that we get to give back to him just a portion um, and trust him that he is our great provider. You can give online at allshores.org give or out in our lobbies. There are boxes to give as well. And so we thank you for just your generosity. It's because of your generosity, we can reach our community with the love of Christ. We can care for one another as the church body. We can offer great kids programs and, and youth programs because of your generosity. So thank you for that. Well, Christmas is coming. We're getting super excited. So for all things Christmas, will you turn your eyes to the screen for our announcements? Hey, All Shores. Christmas is almost here and we are so excited for all that we have coming this Christmas season. We wanted to start off the week of Christmas by recognizing that while it can be a super fun and exciting time, there's also people who find it super lonely and painful. And so with that in mind, we wanted to create a service that kind of allows space for people to sit in their pain and just feel the support of those around them and let them know that they're not alone. And so if you're someone who've experienced financial struggle uh, marital issues, you've lost a job or lost a loved one, we want to invite you to come to the Spring Lake campus on December 21st for our Blue Christmas service. It'll be at 6.30 p.m. and it'll just be a very intentional service meant to remind people they are not alone in their pain and that we truly are together because life is messy. So we can't wait to see you there. 
And then following up, we have five Christmas Eve services between all of our campuses that will be perfect to fit your family's busy schedule. And so if you want information on our service times and locations, feel free to go to allstores.org for more information on that. But I wanna challenge you guys in two ways. First, I want you to invite your Frank list to join you this Christmas. And also, if you're feeling called, Christmas is a busy time for us and it requires a lot of manpower. So if you're feeling willing, we would love to have you on our volunteer team for the Christmas Eve service. There is a table in the lobby with a bunch of treats and goodie bags and invites and you can pack a goodie bag and give it to someone on your friend list to invite them to come. And there's also on that same table a sign up sheet that allows you to pick a service that you want to serve at and it can be as simple as greeting someone, making sure they feel welcome or handing them their hot chocolate or coffee. Really the smallest things can have a huge impact on making a guest feel seen and appreciated. And so we're so excited for what this Christmas week is going to bring. And we're praying that God will move through these services. So like I said, if you need more information on times or locations or dates, go to allshores.org for all of that information. We're so excited. Can't wait to celebrate with you guys. See you soon. Well, welcome. So glad that we all get to be here together. Want to welcome those of you who are in our Spring Lake campus and those of you who are watching us online. Come on, Spring Lake. Can you show your church family some love? We love you. We have three different communicators at all three of our physical campuses this morning. I get to be here. I'm so excited. And it's true. We have two weeks until Christmas morning, everybody. It is coming up. I, I don't know how I know this, but if you go on Amazon and you order something, it'll still get here before Christmas, okay? For all my husbands out there, go home this afternoon. So excited. We, we're in this Advent series, week three, called New Beginnings. And we've been going through this the last few weeks. The first week, we hit Zachariah and Elizabeth. Week two, we hit Mary and Joseph. This week, we're going to be in the beginning verses of Luke chapter 2. Our first couple was past their prime. Our second couple was far from ready. But God used them right where they were. And so I'm so excited that we get to dive into scripture this morning. Before we jump into our passage this morning, we pause every single week to really affirm that, that what most of us need is just a moment to slow down so that we don't miss what God might want to say to us. And so I don't, I don't wanna rush past this moment. I wanna give you a moment in the silence to, 
to silently affirm that whatever God wants to say to you, that you actually want to hear it, and then I'll pray for us. So why don't you do that right now? God, we look to you, and we do. We want to be here. We want to hear from you more than just sitting through a service. Holy Spirit, that we believe that you have something unique for each one of us. And so I pray for every single person under the sound of my voice, Holy Spirit, that you would speak in a way that they would actually be able to understand, that they'd be able to take something with them out of this time that we're spending in your presence. And we promise to give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen and amen. Well, to focus our time together, we're going to be trying to answer one question that comes out of the text. Here it is. Where can you expect God to bring new life? Where can you expect God to bring new life? This series is all about new beginnings. And part of that is when God chooses to bring new life. The question is where? Does God have a track record? Does he have a pattern? Where can we expect God to bring new life? And to answer this question, we're going to look back at when God chose to bring new life to the lives of his people, namely through the birth of Jesus Christ. But before we dive in, let me just catch you up to speed. Israel, the nation, is currently occupied and governed by Rome, along with most of that part of the world. Rome has set up puppets in Israel to govern, to keep people in line, to keep uprisings at a minimum, and God's people are still waiting for God to save them and liberate them. It's been hundreds of years since the last prophet that God sent. But these last two weeks, we've been looking at texts where God has been starting to show up in small yet significant ways to people that everyone else would have overlooked. And here's where we pick up in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. This is what it says. It says, In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. There's a, there's a verse later in the New Testament that says when the set time had fully come, or, or scripture says when it was just the right time, God sent his son Jesus to be born. And this is what I find so fascinating. And we'll get to Jesus' birth in a moment, but I don't want you to miss the events leading up to it. That The specific time that God chose for Jesus to be born into the world was right when the most powerful person of his day, one of the most powerful people in all of history, was flexing his political muscles. That in that day, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that everyone in the Roman world had to go back to where they were from so that he knew who was supposed to pay taxes. That was part of what this was for. Caesar Augustus was at his height. His rule reached across multiple continents. The nations did his bidding. His wish was their command. And Israel was oppressed. They're, they were a footnote in the Roman Empire, helpless against the might of Rome. And that church, that specific moment, 
when God's people were at their lowest is the exact time that God looked at the world and said, now. This is the first insight I think we can draw out of the text this morning. Remember, we're trying to answer this question. Where can you expect God to bring new life? Here's the first thing that we see out of this passage. Is that God brings new life in dark places. Where can we expect God to bring new life? God brings new life in dark places. I think this is so different from what we normally look for. Normally we look for upwards trajectory as a sign that maybe God is moving. Like, hey, things are getting better, but that's not what God does in the moments leading up to Christ's birth. He picks the time in history where the future has never been bleaker The light is almost snuffed out. Redemption and restoration are sorely out of reach and all hope seems lost. Why? Because your God and my God is not afraid of the dark. Your God and my God is not afraid of the dark. Scripture says that darkness is as light to him. That for us, we run towards the light because we're afraid of the dark, but he's not. He's not rebuffed by darkness or intimidated by darkness. In fact, he runs towards it. God runs towards the dark in order to bring light. Now, you probably don't need me to tell you this, but we have darkness in our lives. That we all have some. And for some of you, it's not a far-off emperor that's that's controlling you, but a tyrant in your own home, your own desires, your own fear, your own temptation, your own lust, your own depression. Some of us, we can identify with Israel's oppression. You probably already know this, but as oxygen is to our lungs, so darkness is to our shame. That shame thrives in darkness. People say confession is good for the soul, which it is. But confession is also bad for the reputation. And that's what so many of us are afraid of. So many of us work so hard to hide our darkness from God and from the people that are close to us that we love. We try so hard, and in doing so, we miss out on receiving the new life that God wants to bring to those areas. That often, the areas of darkness that we live in are the first place that God goes to bring new life. That our darkness doesn't scare him. We pick up in verses four and five. Here's what it says. So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Now, I try not to judge people from the Bible, I know that they're real people. I know that I'll probably meet them one day, so I try to give them grace. But Joseph, come on, man. You're bringing your pregnant wife along, probably a a four days walk. I know we're compassionate. We try to put Mary on the back of a donkey, but scripture doesn't say anything about a donkey. They probably ended up walking. Martin Luther, who was the father of what we call the Reformation, it was a turning point in the history of the church, he writes this in one of his Christmas sermons back in the day about Joseph. Here's what he says. 
He says, despite Joseph's royal ancestry, the, the house and line of David, he was so poor that he had been unable to make a living in Judea, and for that reason he had transferred to Nazareth. We can see how poor Joseph must have been, that he couldn't even afford to hire some old woman or neighbor to stay with Mary and look after her while he was gone. Now, we don't know exactly why Mary went with Joseph. Scripture doesn't specifically mention it. This was just Martin Luther's best guess. And he adds that the reason that Joseph was in Nazareth anyway was because he couldn't hack it in Bethlehem. This, this is what Martin Luther says about Mary. He says this, he says, we can see from this that Mary was a poor little orphan without father or mother, about 14 years old. Joseph took pity on her and was betrothed to her lest she be deserted. If she had had parents alive, she would have been with them rather than her husband. Again, Martin Luther doesn't know. We never meet Mary's parents in scripture. We know that she had a cousin, Elizabeth, who she goes and visits. This is just simply his best guess. But I think it brings up something that, again, we can draw out of the text this morning, trying to answer, help answer this question, where does God, where can we expect God to bring new life? Here's the second thing we find, is that God brings new life in downtrodden people. Where can we expect God to bring new life? God brings new life in downtrodden people. Here's what I want you to see from the life of Mary and Joseph. Is that no one saw what God saw in them. No one expected big things from them. No one picked them for homecoming court or class president. They didn't get the coveted internships. They were picked over and left out. They weren't on any short lists. No one saw them as leaders. The entire world had counted them out. And that is who God chose to entrust the life of his son. I think we have some Marys and some Josephs here this morning. Or maybe you're watching this back throughout the rest of the week. And you're convinced that no one sees you, that no one cares about you. Can I just encourage you this morning that he does? Others of us need a, a gentle reminder that what the, earl, what the world honors and magnifies, what the world lifts up, God often does not. And every single person who walks the face of this earth earth is made in God's image, that he loves them just as much as he loves you, that God brings new life in downtrodden people. Here's our last two verses, verses six and seven. It says, while they were there, the time came for her to, to, for her to deliver her child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. It was these two verses more than any other that I kept coming back to again and again and again. I just couldn't get over the details about Jesus' birth, or rather the omissions. I live in Grand Haven. I drive up 31 every day until I get over the bridge into Spring Lake. And this time of year, I drive past a church that has a big nativity set out in the front lawn. And every time I drive past it, I kind of slow down and, and look out my window, take it in. There's shepherds, there, there's animals, there's angels, there's the new mother and the new father. And everyone is fixated at the newborn king. 
get goosebumps just thinking about it. It feels so idyllic, so important, so right. And yet when I look at these verses, I don't see that. Who do I see in these verses? It's just Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. Pete's gonna preach next week on some people who the heavenly host is revealed to and they visit Jesus for a while, but then they leave. For the majority of this story, Mary and Joseph are alone. No one's holding Mary's hand. No one's putting their hand on Joseph's shoulder. No doctors, no Elizabeth, no nurses, no birth coach, no doula, no interns. Just Mary and Joseph. And let's be honest. How helpful was Joseph anyways? <laughs> I mean, have you ever seen a dad? When a, when a new baby's being born, there are only two types of dads. One are the dads who are way too into it, Okay. Like my dad, I think he was the dad with the video recorder. Later in life, he'd be like, hey, who wants to watch this? We're like, dad, no one. No one wants to watch your documentary. Some are too into it. The others are just, they're passed out. They're gone. Every time my wife has given birth, at some point between contractions, she'll look up and she'll ask the doctor, hey, doc, where's my husband? And he'll say the same thing. He'll say, sweetie, he's gone. He's not coming back. You are on your own. He is passed out. To which usually the nurses flock to me to give me graham crackers and juice. And, and my wife's like, really? Now? I'll give, I'll give Joseph a 50-50 chance that he was helpful. Otherwise, Mary delivers birth to Jesus all on her own. This is the third thing we can pull out of this passage. Remember, we're trying to answer this question. Where, does God, where can we expect God to bring new life? God brings new life in desperate circumstances. Where can we expect God to bring new life? He brings new life in desperate circumstances. Not only did Mary and Joseph have to probably walk four days, but once they got there, there was no place for them to be. Forget the inn. Wasn't this Joseph's hometown? Didn't he have family close by? Or maybe he was staying with family and as Mary was giving birth, they didn't even bother to show up and show their support. That Mary and Joseph were alone. She's laying on the floor, delivering the son of God, wrapping him in some rags and essentially placing him in a dog bowl. Really, God? Is that the best you can do? That this night, this moment wasn't idyllic as much as it was traumatic desperate, alone. And I think part, it's unsettling for me because deep down, I believe that if I do everything right, if I follow God and everything he tells me to do, that all will go well with me. But I think the birth of Jesus, not just that it happened, but how it happened, is proof of something else. The name that God gives Jesus in this moment, the name that the, that the Israelites are expecting is Emmanuel. And I think, I think so often part of me wishes that the name Emmanuel meant God fix us, but it doesn't. It means God with us. That through the birth of Jesus, through his example, God says, in your poverty, poverty, in your mess, in your desperation, I will be with you. 
that he's not ashamed of your low estate, that you don't have to elevate your status for God to dwell with you, that he's allowed his son, the one whom he dearly loves, to be born into squalor, into a mess, to assure you and to assure me that in regards to his kids, that nothing is beneath him, that he'll move heaven and earth, not just to save you, but to be with you, that God brings new life in desperate circumstances. This whole time we've been trying to answer one question, where can you expect God to bring new life? Here's, here's the answer that we, that we find in this text. It's that God often brings new life where it's least expected, but most needed. That God often brings new life where it's least expected, but most needed. See, if you would have asked all of Israel what they needed the most, they would not have led God to the stable in Bethlehem and pointed to the manger and said, God, bring your new life there. They would have pointed to the religious capital of Jerusalem or the academic capital of Athens or the political or military capital of Rome and said, bring it there, God, bring your new life there. And that's not what God did. He brought it to Bethlehem. Bethlehem. Bethlehem wasn't on anyone's bucket list. But the author, Luke, he juxtaposes Rome and Bethlehem that while everyone is looking at who they think is the most important person in that moment in history, that the real history, the real miracle is happening somewhere else in a forgotten country, in a small unseen corner of it called Bethlehem. Not even in the nicest house or the city center, but in a barn or a garage, that that's where God moves. And that's not just true for 2,000 years ago. That's true for, for us this Christmas. That if you were to ask God to show up in your life, you'd probably ask for something big, something huge, something you could post on social media. Yet when I look at Jesus' birth, when I look at these seven verses, that's not what I see. What I see is that God wants to show up and bring new life in the unseen and the overlooked parts of our lives. The parts of our lives that are darker than anyone knows, where you feel beat up and forgotten, desperate and alone. You may say, Evan, this is great and everything, but what do I actually do? Can I just encourage you? These are three of the simplest things I can think of. The first one is this. Maybe for some of you today, maybe you need to offer up your darkness. See, so many of us are scared to do this. We think that if we admit that we have darkness in our lives, that then we'll have to pay a penalty from God. But can I just encourage you this morning, church? God is not here to punish you. Some of you already know this, but sin punishes you all by itself. You don't need God to punish you. Your sin already punishes you. It disrupts the good things going on in your life that sin ultimately leads to death. God is the giver of life. He sent his son to save you from your sin. You don't have to hide from the one who came to bring light to your darkness. Some of you need to offer up your darkness. Others of you, maybe you need to make room in your end. One last quote from Martin Luther here. This is all from his Christmas book. It's so good, you should get it. This is what he says. He says, there are many of you in this congregation who think to yourselves, if only I had been there, how quick would I have been to help baby Jesus? He says, yes, you would have. You say that because you know how great Christ is. 
But if you had been there at that time, you would have done no better than the people of Bethlehem. Childish and silly thoughts are these. Why don't you do it now? You have Christ in your neighbor. You ought to serve him for what you do to your neighbor in need, you do to the Lord Christ himself. This idea has been so convicting for me this year. I keep coming back and back to the temptation that if I had more, I would do more. And I look around and I I think, man, the people who have more should be the ones living this out. But can I just challenge you this morning, church? What's your in? What's the thing that God has given you that you have access to that someone else would benefit from? Maybe all you have is a car. Some people have to walk to get groceries or to pick up their medicine. Maybe you have a table and two plates. And you know someone who's hungry or looking for community that they would say yes if you invited them over. Maybe you have two coffee cups and you could invite another mom over with their kids and just talk and see what's going on in their lives. Maybe you have time and energy and you'd be willing to serve others at one of our campuses for our Christmas Eve services. Maybe you have a friendship with someone who right now is far away from God and you'd be willing to go out on a limb and invite them to sit with you for one of our services. What do you have? What can you do? Let us not be like the people in Bethlehem that night who were so preoccupied with what they were doing that they missed the miracle right next door. Offer up your darkness. Make room in your end. The last one is this. Lean into desperation. Lean into desperation. This is what I hope you see out of these verses that we've just spent time together in. The very thing that so many of us run away from is the very thing that could give your faith new life. That everyone else these next few weeks are going to be focused on asking for things that make their lives easier, that bring more comfort, that remove any of the hardship, but not you. Why? Because we know that comfortable people tend to look for God less. Desperate people tend to rely on God more. And I'm not telling you to sell all your stuff and live on the street. I'm simply saying that you and I shouldn't try to insulate all of the desperation out of our lives like a house that insulates out the cold. That some of us need to open up a window and let some desperation in. Stepping out into the cool night air for a breath of fresh air. Hear me, church. Your faith needs some desperation. It'll give you new life to lean into and depend on God. What's your next step? I don't know. But I know that the whole reason we come and spend time together is to seek God, is to invite God into our lives, that we believe that it's not just a bunch of rules that we have to learn and then, and then behave, that we actually serve a God who wants to meet with us and to speak to us and to reveal something to you and me that we didn't have when we walked through these doors or turned on this laptop. And so I just, I just don't want to run past this moment. That I think God has something for you. And so I just want to create a space where we can pray together that God would speak to you exactly what you need to hear. Let's do that to, together. God, we look to you. 
And first and foremost, we say thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for truth. Thank you that nothing was beneath you. That, you, that when you entered the world, you didn't, you didn't enter with great fanfare, but you entered in a manger, in a barn. God, to show us that, that you really do. You want to be with us wherever we are, that nothing's beneath you. And so, God, I just pray for every single person under the sound of my voice. God, I pray that you would speak to them in a way that they would understand, that you would speak to, speak to them in a way that they could, could leave here with something to hold on to, to bring with a reminder that they're not alone, that you love them, that you care about them. So God, I pray that you would imprint something upon their soul, upon their hearts, that they could take with them today. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, I, I just want to create a space. Maybe, maybe you walked into our campus today, maybe you're watching online, and before you walked in or before you opened up that laptop, you would say, I don't know what it looks like to have a personal relationship with Jesus. And maybe sometime throughout our day, you felt a prompting or maybe he, like he's drawing you closer to him. Maybe you can't even put your finger on it, but you know that he's inviting you to respond in some way. And I just want to create space for you to do that. And I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front, but I do want to know who I'm praying for. And so whether it's online or whether it's, whether it's in this space, if that's you this morning, will you just raise your hand? Yes, I see you, yes. Anyone else? That's you this morning. Just pray these words and pray these words in your own. Say, Heavenly Father, I hear you calling to me. And as best as I know how, I want to respond. Say this, say, I'm so sorry for going my own way for insisting on having my life the way I want it. But now I want to surrender everything over to you that you would be Lord of my life. Make me new from the inside out and help me live a life worthy of the calling that I've received. We pray all these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And everybody said... Amen and amen. Hey, if that's you today, can I just encourage you? We would love to come alongside you and encourage you. We'd love to walk alongside you. And you can take out that connection card, whether it's the digital one in the seat back in front of you or whether it's you can go out to our connection point after service. There's a spot on our connection card that you can mark my decision today, that this was a line in the sand moment for you. We're also going to respond. We're gonna take communion in a moment. If you got communion on the way in, great. If you didn't and want to still go out in the lobby and get some, I'd just encourage you to do that now. Uh, we're gonna sing together, so I'd invite you to stand. And then we'll take communion in a moment. darkness we were waiting with our hope and with our light till from heaven you came running there was mercy in your eyes 
to fulfill the law and prophets to a virgin came the word from a throne of endless glory to a cradle in the dirt oh praise the father praise the son praise the Every week we celebrate communion, but this week is unique, even just in the text that we read together. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, it says that he took bread, and and even from what we just read, where Jesus was born was Bethlehem. And Bethlehem, that name actually means the house of bread. And so the one who is our bread was born in the house of bread, and it just symbolizes how how really Jesus is someone who we come back to week after week after week to get our spiritual nourishment. So on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread with his disciples and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so we do that together, church. In the same way, after supper, He took the cup and he said, this is my blood of a new covenant shed for the forgiveness of your sins. Drink of this, all of you, in remembrance of me. And so we do that together as well. Let's continue to sing together. Stone was moved for good, for the Lamb had conquered death, and the dead rose from their tombs, and the angels stood in awe for the souls of all who'd come to the Father are restored, and the church of Christ was born, then the Spirit lit the flame. Now this gospel truth of Shall I feel it? Shall I faint? For by his blood and in 
Just a couple of announcements before I give you a blessing. I do just wanna remind you, hey, if you are new, if this was your first time here at All Shores or your first time in a long time, we would love to connect with you right out of our lobby over in, the, in the, kind of the left-hand corner just to give you a gift, say thank you for coming. I also just wanna remind you that we have our Christmas party um, for all of our volunteers tomorrow night, 6.30 to 8 here at the Spring Lake campus. If you have volunteered at all through 2022 or if you're wanting to potentially jump in, step in for any of our Christmas Eve services, we would love to have you. Right now we have a little over 200 people who are coming. That's our volunteers, kids, families, everybody's welcome. So we'd love for you to join us. I mean, look at how official this golden ticket is, everybody. We're gonna have a kind of a costume um, party and give out some prizes. So man, come dressed, um, Christmassy. But man, we, we love you so much. Let me give you a blessing if you'll extend your hands. May the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, may he light up your darkness. May he draw close to your brokenness and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen and amen. We love you, church.